You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today, I've got Jimmy Shellhammer. Now, this is an awesome episode. We're going to dive into all kinds of stuff from mudding and building out awesome rigs to go mudding in to hunting and what that looks like where he's at down in Florida. It's going to be a really great episode. But before we dive into that, I've got to let you know, I went out shed hunting on my own property the other day. I was really excited about it, right? I had a bunch of pictures of deer showing up on camera that looked like they were freshly dropped. Walk around my property, didn't find a single shed. But down the road on one of the other properties I've got access to, I was like, man, I'm going to cruise over there. I keep getting an alert that my Tacticam cell camera is like out of memory. So I was like, I got to get over there. I kind of want to walk and look for sheds while I'm over there. So I walked this bedding area that I thought was going to be killer. And it really did look amazing. I mean, you could see deer beds everywhere. I guarantee there's a shed in there and I just didn't find it. Um, But then I was like, before I leave, it's about 40 acres of beans. I'm going to rip around on the four-wheeler, not tear it up, but, you know, drive up and down just looking for sheds. And when I did, there's a seasonal cattle pond. And if you go on my social media, I posted a video of it already. But there's like a seasonal pond that they had put in there at some point, probably for when they ran cattle. And right in the middle of it, I just was driving by it, look over, and it's, it was like, aside from a ray of sunshine coming through the clouds, it was just so awesome to see it bright white out there. It wasn't the biggest one. It had been chewed up. It was a year old. It doesn't matter. None of that matters to me. The fact that I found my first shed in Missouri while shed hunting... I'm pretty pumped about it, and I'm hooked. I've already been messaging with my co-host from the Western Ricky, Brian, and he's like, dude, I'm so pumped for you, man. That's amazing. Um, And we're planning a trip to head down to Colorado. So we're going to be doing some shed hunting this spring. Anyways, enough about that. Let's jump into the episode with Jimmy. I'm pretty excited. 
Like, he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like, we would be okay. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today is Jimmy Shellhammer. It is not Taylor. Now, I got to tell you guys, when we popped up on Zoom, his wife's picture came up. I'm like, wow, I've never seen someone named Jimmy that looked like that. But then he he ended up coming on screen. So I'm excited for this one. He's out of Florida. Jimmy, what's going on, man? What's going on, man? Yeah, no, today, this day and age, though, you never know. Depends yeah, on how I true. identify, right? That could have been me. <laughs> it definitely could have been my, uh, I, I have to tell people all the time because my wife goes by Sam. And so I'm okay. like, oh, yeah, me and Sam. And sometimes I get a funny look. I used to have a really bad lisp. And so then when I would do that, they'd really look at me funny like, uh, I'm like, no, 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 my wife, Samantha, Samantha, not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They weren't sure. Yeah, not Samuel. Um, well, Jimmy is. He, he's from Florida. He runs the Country Traditions YouTube channel. He is an all-around outdoorsman. I mean, not just hunting or fishing, but you said currently you're at a big side-by-side event, right? Yeah, we're getting ready for it. So that'll be this weekend um, in Florida. Well, the Southeast. I mean, I know y'all out there in the Midwest. Like, y'all do the mudding too, but I mean, I grew up mudding, right? Like that's uh, luckily hunting season only lasts for so long. I say luckily. I mean, I don't ever want it to end, but we got to find something to do in the meantime, you know, um, being in Florida, there's a ton of mud. Right. And yep. on top of that, specifically where I'm at now, it's central Florida. Um, I am about an hour, maybe a little more to each coast. So I have ample opportunity to fish, you know, so it's just, I literally never know what's going on from weekend to weekend. You know, who knows? I mean, I, I yeah. just got off the phone with my cousin before we hopped on here. He wants me to uh, go do a thermal hog hunt with him. Right. So it's like, all right, we'll see whatever I can do. I'll be out doing. So like you said, mudding, that's, um, that's another, uh, that's another fun adventure. And if y'all thought hunting was expensive, don't get into that. (laughs) (laughs) We, uh, I was at, uh, I was at Shields, like a big outdoor store. I don't know if you guys have Shields down there. I've heard them. We don't have them, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. I was out in Colorado and this, this probably college age cashier looks at me and as i walk up to the counter she's like hey do you think hunting or golfing is more expensive and i was like (laughs) hunting no question and this is after i had just bought a four-wheeler for this trip i i was in there just buying a bunch of like random stuff you know you go into a hunting store you go into any store uh, of interest and you go there for one thing and you walk out with like 15 that you absolutely need that you didn't know you needed and uh she just started laughing. She's like, really? I think it's probably golf. And I'm like, no, you're definitely <laughs> wrong. And then we looked it up and it's like more than double. Uh, people spend more than double on hunting what they do on, oh, on that. For but sure. I would imagine per person, the motor sports, that's just, that probably blows everything out of the water. Honestly, sky's the limit, right? Depends on what you're wanting to do. You can go completely wild with it. You can be mild, obviously. You know, we have a thing, it's called the bounty holes. And the bounty hole is they go and just get an excavator and dig a big pit. And these guys spend 100 plus K on their machines just to go see who can go the farthest. (laughs) And that's it. You might win five grand. So it's like, you know, but whatever. So we, and I'll kind of segue to that with like the actual brand. Going to the mud hole, we get a lot of interaction 
with our followers, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. The hunting side, you don't, you, I mean, you know, it's a more of a solo type thing, right? So, but out there, we get to interact with them all. And I tell people all the time, they see us going in the road with this big, huge side-by-side. And, you know, everyone's like, well, why do you do it? Well, our slogan for the brand is because we can, right? <laughs> and, you know, back when I was in my uh, late teens, early 20s, um, I lived in South Florida. And that's kind of where the mudding started, actually, in Florida. It was more down south, I would say. And it's it's creeped all the way up to North Florida, Georgia. I mean, Louisiana is huge for it. But I had a good friend and that's where I kind of got more into the actual like mechanicing side of doing everything, whether it was big trucks or four wheelers and all that stuff. So his truck had cause we can on it. And that was, we were known as that kind of cause we can crew. And um, when I got hired with the fire department, I moved up here in North Florida and that was, shit, it's been 15 years now. And I had been here probably three years and he got killed in a car crash. Oh, man. And, you know, I mean, it's just he was one of my best friends, but it's cool to full circle, bring it around and be able to. And when we when we started the brand, I was like, you know what? I want a slogan. And that just came to me. And that, that's what it is. And that's why it is, you know, and in, in in the outdoors, anything we do, I mean, especially, you know, I mean, you're in more of a public scene. Not that I'm doing YouTube. People come at you all the time. Right, all the time. And in other, it, the nicest way to say, you know, why are you doing this? Are you, you know, because we can. That's it. That right. just, that can end all the arguments. <laughs> so, yeah. No, yeah. that's an awesome slogan. I love that. Um, what, I mean, mudding, it's such, it's such an interesting thing. Anytime you get a motor underneath some dude or, you know, between his legs, they're going to do something crazy, right? Oh, I yeah, feel oh, like, yeah as as guys we just pick the weirdest stuff to get into like how do you think mudding started you think some guy got stuck in his truck and another dude was like (laughs) hey man my truck's not getting stuck and then he got stuck and they both said screw it we're gonna build something that won't get stuck you know it's testosterone right and competition that's what it was (laughs) that's all it is maybe a little alcohol Um, listen when i when i'm out there i used to be that you know early to mid-20s idiot right? Which I'm just an older idiot now, but those guys, they've been drinking all day. They see the camera come out when we're recording <laughs> instant idiots, like right away. And I love it. Cause I don't have to break all my stuff. I let them go wild with it, you know? And it's like, yep. I look at my wife and I'm like, man, that used to be me. But then it depends later on that afternoon. I might be in there too. So yeah. <laughs> Alcohol, big groups and cameras are just yeah. not a good mix for a guy trying to prove himself to everybody <laughs> else. Well, it's a good mix for entertainment. It's not a good mix for the wallet. No, for sure. For sure. You know, and, and like you said, I mean, everybody looks at other things. Like, so for instance, I am not a tattoo guy. I have no tattoos, but I always see how much they cost. I got a little, you know, a lot of firefighters get them. And yep. it's like, man, I think to myself, how do you spend that much? But then I realize, shit, if they knew what I spent, <laughs> <laughs> I spent that much on tires last week. <laughs> yeah. So, but I will say in the, on the hunting side, the older I get, the more I already have everything. Yeah. Right. And I tell people that hunting is very tough to get into. Um, more so, I guess, having the knowledge and the ability to go out and the place to go hunt and all that, even with public land, it's still difficult, but you know, I mean, it's expensive for sure. Can you, you know, can you do it cheap? Yeah. But I'm a big fan of, you know, being frugal, but also you get what you pay for. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of the, 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 the gap there. And it's the same with the, the mudding scene. Like I, uh, one of my videos that's doing real well 
I bought uh, two four wheelers from a guy. It was a barn find, you know, and yeah. um, yeah. I picked both these things up for twenty five hundred bucks, and they're just sitting in his barn. And uh, went and picked them up, got them running, and now I have. I, so <laughs> the other video I did the other day, I'm going through this one hole, and there's a guy in front of me that's got about twenty grand in his four wheeler. This one's got about two in it. Now he went through it way than I did, maybe, but I still was out there having a good time. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's uh, that's the thing. We can get in the outdoors. You know, like I said, it just depends on what you want to spend, but we can all still go out and have the same experience, maybe. And you just grow into it, I guess. But I would say that with hunting as well. Yeah, that you makes know? sense. I, I feel like I'm always torn when it comes to hunting because I'm I'm a gear junkie. Like when new things come out, I'm like, man, that's cool. I want that. Right. For sure. But also, I really respect the guys who are out there wearing the same camo that their grandpa wore shooting yeah. an old like 1970s rifle hardly any magnification on the scope and they just get it <laughs> yeah. done i'm like For that's sure. pretty cool but also when you can poke seven eight hundred yards out with a rifle you're more comfortable in new clothes like the technology that they're coming out with all around the hunting industry is just unbelievable right now for sure oh yeah and i mean i'm old enough to know or to remember when cell cams used to be an actual camera that you had to take this, the role and go get it developed. Yeah. You know, which is crazy to think now. And now, you know, the cell, uh, literally cell cams are like an addiction. You know, it's like that auto subscriptions coming up and I'm like, nope, I don't need it. But it's like, I'm going to miss the, those, you know, messages on my phone. Yeah. Like, oh, what's there? You know? So like you said, it's, uh, it's definitely made, I don't know. It makes hunting definitely easier. Um, but hunting's not easy, right? <laughs> like I tell guys, like you can be as prepared as you want, man. There's a lot of luck. Nobody wants to talk about it. You know how many times I've been lucky, you know, but you know, my grandfather used to say, I'd rather be lucky than good anytime. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. If you have yeah. constant luck, man, that there's nothing that beats that. No, the camera is, I, I try to tell people all the time, like, Nothing is going to equip you to kill an animal or get you an opportunity better than putting in the work and scouting, right? And yeah, yeah. you can scout yeah. with a camera, but I noticed firsthand, I think it was like four or five days ago, uh, we just moved out to a new property. It's a mile away from my main hunting property. I've got cell cameras all over the place. And my buddy was showing up here to help me with some dirt work. And he's like, dude, did you see the picture of that coyote this morning? And I go, yeah, well, we had just got another picture of a coyote and we're a mile away. So I'm like, dude, let's shoot over there real quick. We know it's out in the field. We'll mm -hmm. go set up the call quick and try to call it. And we did. And I'm thinking this coyote's close. Like it can hear the call. It's going to come in. We're going to shoot it. We get out there, get set up. He forgot something in the truck. So he ran back like 200 yards to the truck quick. And when he did... I get another notification on my phone and it's the coyote just booking it the other direction. And I'm like, <laughs> dang, man, like even with the technology, we know the animals there. It's not a sure thing. And so relying on that, I would never suggest or recommend relying on that fully. Oh man, this is really funny. I'm looking out the window right now as we're talking and there is a coyote. Right. There outside. you go. <laughs> oh, it's the white one. We just had an opportunity at that coyote this morning. Um, but you can pause it if you want to shoot him out the oh window. Man. It's fine. <laughs> I want to so bad, but I'm just going to. Oh, 
Oh, I'm torn. Okay, we're gonna keep going. I'm gonna. Isn't that the way it always goes? I just need to close the window because that is that's awesome that I just saw it as we're talking about coyote hunting. Um. So, anyways, it it doesn't always work, man. Like the the trail cameras now. There's a lot of there's a lot of people raising debate right now because there's live stream cameras that are like the new and improved cell camera right you can basically log in even if nothing's in front of it tripping it you can just log in and watch what's on it all the time i think that'd be pretty cool also um i just need some of those for security cameras around the property yeah there you go that too yeah it'd be pretty cool to have that type of thing uh before we jump into more of the hunting and we'll bounce back and forth between a lot of different things i got to hear about your setups because you had mentioned buying two four wheelers for twenty five hundred bucks, I'm a bargain kind of guy. I like to trade and swap. <laughs> yeah. What What's your like go to setup if you had to go out and just get through the thickest, nastiest stuff right now? What are you rocking? Oh man, I'll tell you what, it's tough. So when I was in the mudding world, I moved up here. Right, four wheelers were the only thing that existed. Side by sides hadn't really come on scene yet. Yep, and when I got back into it three years ago, I'd say roughly, I don't know. I just took a break, I guess having a wife and, you know, kid and all that stuff. But, um, it was only four wheelers and Hondas, Hondas are where it's at, man. Like Hondas are, uh, you can't kill them. Right. Uh, everybody knows how reliable, but in Florida, we've got a ton of water and it does not take much to waterproof a Honda. They will run through anything. And that's, you know, that's doing the, the mudding and stuff, just like hunting, right? Depends on what you're going for. You know, yeah. do you want to reach out and touch one? Do you want to get close? It's the same thing. Like if I'm, if I know I'm going to be in a real muddy area, it's not wet, like a Can-Am Renegade thousand CC. I mean, that's unbelievable power, you know, yeah. and the actual yeah. upgrades and the exhaust and all the tire options. And, you know, that I'll probably start doing a whole series on that. Just looking at the tires and like how much benefit do the tires really make? You know, are you going to break more? axles and all that is it even worth it right yeah. um yeah. but the now that the side-by-sides are getting you know they're super super popular i don't know about out there where y'all are but i mean it's ridiculous when i go out to the mud hole i always wanted to you know you see these guys these big four with us man i wish i was that guy well finally i am that guy and as big as mine is it's still not the biggest you know and the side-by-side's fun because a for cruising around right I can bring a cooler with me everywhere I go. Yep. I can, there's a four wheeler struggling, struggling, struggling. I just come in there and two wheel drive and we'll go through it. But at the same time, that's not as fun. Yeah. Right. So I'm torn between those two things. I want to go run that hole both ways. There's nothing like being on the four wheeler. Like, so now I don't want to sound whiny, but cause I know where you're at right now. It's 82 right now here. Uh, but this weekend was to be uh, a little cold front come through. And I think the high is only 58. So I'm crying about that, but I do have my insulated (laughs) waders, right? So, um, but the cool thing, um, and again, this is where uh, I I think when I came up with the name Country Traditions, it was just, I don't know, I just, it sounded cool and I liked it. Well, it works because everything we do is just country and it all segues together that side by side. So we have property in South Florida. It is on a 64,000 acre management area. Back in the late 70s, somehow, my grandfather was that kind of wheeler dealer in a little town down there. Him and a couple of his buddies bought property in this management area from the state. So we actually own 10 acres in the very back of this management area. There's probably six or seven camps. Um, 
Now, my whole life, we grew up running swamp buggies. And at first it started with, you take a truck, you rip the cab off, you weld up a deck and that's what you run. Now they get crazy straight frame. You know, they put military two and a half ton running gear, blown engine. I mean, blown big blocks. I mean, just stupid. I mean, again, it's one of those things where you can spend 10 grand or a hundred. Yeah. They kind of do the same thing, but whatever. Um, but when I got back into the side by, you know, mudding and I got the side by side, one of my determining factors to spend the money on one, that management area now allows them out there. So before you couldn't have anything, it had to have a steering wheel. That's kind of their thing, right? Okay. So handlebars on the four wheeler, they didn't have to worry about it because guys get out there and tear everything up. And I get that. But uh, now you're allowed to have that. So when I built this thing, that's why I said, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to build it up, make it huge because I don't want to get my ass wet when I'm riding out there um, to camp. And I mean, it is, it's deep. Like if you hop on the channel, and watch some of the videos going out to our camp, it's 10 miles from when I unload the trailer to get to our camp. And uh, it's, you know, obviously as off grid as it gets, but we've got a big diesel generator that runs the whole camp. And that's probably the first time I ever sat in a tree stand was out there when I was, I don't even remember, right. I was so young and my grandfather was the hunter and my dad really wasn't. And he met my mom and got into hunting. And so again, it's cool because I can segue all that together. Like, yeah, I'm going to be out there tearing that thing up and I need to make sure it's running by hunting season. Cause I'm going to be down there opening weekend, which is in August and it's the hottest and most miserable mosquitoes, but it's, it's more nostalgia. Yeah. Than yeah. Anything, you know? So, so yeah, I know I got off topic a little bit, but both man like i got a, the kawasaki uh, prairie v twin is what i got sitting in the barn right now um i took the tires off the side by side that came with it because they were 30 inch um they're called cryptid so real big tread uh it's got 40 inch tractor tires on it now so i needed something to do with those tires so they're on the one i rebuilt and uh like i said i go out there and i just have fun i mean the thing costs less than my tires on the side by side. So <laughs> it's a little easier to go beat on it and not worry about it, you know? Yeah. So. That's awesome. I, I've always enjoyed like the motorsport side of things, but in my wife, she actually grew up dirt bike riding. And so like, we've got little dirt bikes for our kids. Mm-hmm. My kids are five and six. And so they've got like the little okay. electric ones right now, but we keep looking at all these different toys and tools that we can get for the property. For sure. And for sure. It's, it's just so cool. Like, honestly, where I'm at most, I would say 95% of the hunting situations I put myself in, I don't need anything. I need just a a very basic four wheeler and I can get around. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was talking to a buddy who he went up to, I think it was Northern Canada this last year, got into this super remote bear camp. And he's like, just to get to my tree stand or the, the spot that they had the bait at for the bears he's like we had to drive like 45 minutes on the four-wheeler and we had to drive through this lake he's like it was this finger of a lake that kicked off and he's like we're (laughs) fully on top of the four-wheeler like feet on the seats going through because of how nasty it is i'm like see that alone is worth the adventure from or it's worth the price of admission for me you know just getting out there even if you don't have an opportunity just to be like dude we went this far back in after a bear that would be fun. I'll tell you what, like, it's not always the harvest. It's the adventure. It's getting yep. there. You know, I mean, hunting has brought me all over the country, you know? And then when I talk to people, they're like, oh yeah, I've never left, you know, the town we're in. And it's like, I, I just didn't realize people didn't do that. Like, 
you know, I grew up hunting in Georgia mainly. Um, that place down south, like I said, but then Georgia, I've hunted in Virginia. Uh, we have a lease in Missouri, Kansas, and Illinois now. Um, so we did this big kind of loop, and then I come back here, and you know, Florida doesn't isn't known for its larger deer. That's why we always went other places, and there's much more opportunity, but. I really, like I said, that place down south, it was just, I was young and really wasn't into hunting then. Um, I mean, I was, but that was fun, right? Going out on the swamp buggies and getting out there and you're in the middle of the woods and how cool is this? But I never shot anything out there. You know, um, I shot a bunch of hogs down south, but all my deer were in. So we have friends that have 500 acres in Georgia. It's two and a half hours from me right now. So why hunt here? I could just shoot up there. So when I came back this year, I had kind of made a goal like I'm in Florida. Why not try to kill a good Florida deer? You know, and that's this year has been this whole hunting season has been a pretty unique hunting season for me too. Um, just the filming aspect makes it tougher for sure. And, <laughs> you know, like I said, so what was it? Four years ago now, um, I had a Yamaha Rhino side by side and, uh, Hurricane went through, a bunch of trees down, and I was being dumb. And I came around the corner, and there's some dirt. So, you know, I saw the dirt, and I had to spin the tires. Well, what had happened was it broke an axle, and it pulled me sideways, and I went right into the tree, broke my hand, right? And it was right before we were heading out west, and I was like, shit, what am I going to do? So I started looking into the crossbows because, what you know, what else am I going to do? And uh, they had just lifted all the like the the handicap bands and stuff for Illinois, Missouri, Illinois, so I, or uh, Kansas. I could use them anywhere. And I haven't picked up a compound bow since. Dang. There's something Dang. about that crossbow, you know. And that's the thing. Like when I was younger, it's that stigma. Like, oh, you're not a real hunter. Crossbows. I mean, you know, you hear it all the time. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I love the crossbow. And now that's like I said, I haven't even shot a rifle in five years. I've only crossbow hunted the past five years. You know. Um, Dang, that's so, wild. Yeah. Like, so it's it's been fun, and I'll tell you what, it's helped too, just in the filming aspect, right? And I, and I, it, the deer I shot in Kansas, you know, I even said on on that video, you know, I give these guys that are self filming with compounds a lot of respect because it is it is tough, you know, that's that extra movement that I don't have to do, and just there's a lot to it, you know. But look, at the end of the day, it's all about getting out in the woods. It is. Yeah, it, it really is. is. People people like to get into the weeds about stupid stuff like what equipment you use i'm like mm -hmm. you can go as primitive as you want like at the end of the day you could be a guy that's like dude you're not a real hunter unless you kill it with a knife while you're naked with a buckskin that you made from the last year that you killed the same exactly. way you know like exactly <laughs> who cares just just yeah. let people enjoy it how they want i i'm not the guy that's like dude i i won't shoot a crossbow i won't do this some of the technology they're coming out with in in the archery world is insane mm -hmm. There's oh, a yeah. new there's a new bow. It's called an air bow, and it's basically an air gun. It's a bolt, slide, right? Just a, yeah, you yeah. slide the shaft of the arrow over the uh, over the barrel, so it's a fully floated barrel. They're shooting like 450 feet per second. I watched a guy <laughs> pop a balloon at 200 yards with this thing, and I'm like. Yeah. That's freaking awesome, man. <laughs> like, yeah, sweet. Why not? Like, yeah, you're, you're making just, me want to go buy one. <laughs> yeah. You, you tell a redneck to just invent something fun, you know, that can shoot an arrow out of it and they're going to do it. And sure, that's where I'm sure. like, as long as it's legal, like the whole, even the ethical debate, you know, there's some people who are like, oh, but it's not ethical. And I'm like, but that's up to you. Like, that's up to yeah. the individual hunter 99% of the time. 
you could debate it one way or the other. And so yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty cool though, that you got into crossbow hunting. And honestly, crossbows, I think are more ethical than a compound bow. I've not lost a deer yet with my crossbow. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I mean, it's a better penetration. It gives you a little bit more confidence when you're shooting. You know, for me, I'm so busy with everything. I can't shoot my bow year round. It just doesn't happen as much as I want to. And I enjoy shooting my compound. I just don't. And two weeks before we're going, it's like, shit, I got to pull it out of the case and start shooting it. Well, now I don't have to. I go out there and shoot four or five times with that compound just to, or the crossbow just to feel, you know, the trigger squeeze and all that and kind of get back used to it. I mean, you got to remember too, when you're in the tree, you're dealing with something vertical and then the crossbow is horizontal. It actually adds this whole thing. So if you're not used to it, you know, you can hit the tree with the the limb and, you know, it's just, um, but when it comes to all that, um, if you're out there hunting, that's all that matters. You know, there's so many people that, um, that are against us, you know, you can't infight. There shouldn't be any of that. It's a community. You should all support each other no matter what you're doing. Like you said, as long as it's legal and ethical, who cares? There's plenty of other people that are trying to take our hunting rights away, our gun rights, you know, reduce the amount of land we can hunt on. Why are we sitting there calling each other out for the stupidest crap? You know, I I I always tell people like reserve that stuff for your buddies. You know, you should give your buddies the most crap out of anybody. For sure. It doesn't matter (laughs) what they do. If it's the same exact camo pattern, but a different brand, like give them crap for it. I'm fine with that. Don't do it online where everybody else is going to see it. And, you know, don't do it to total strangers because you have no idea if that guy just got into hunting and he's questioning it. Like you could have just, you could have just kept three different people from getting into the sport because you're an idiot and you had to voice your opinion. So I like to give my buddies crap about anything and everything. If it's the same shotgun that I use, I'll give them crap about it uh, Mm. just because it's fun. Yeah. Oh, I get it. You know, one of my buddies, he's a, he's an antler, he's an inch hunter, right? Yep. Well, you know, that one's a three and a half year old and you give him another year, he'll probably do this and that. And, you know, and I, and that's fine, you know, but if that yeah. deer looks good to me and he walks by, I'm going to shoot his ass. So <laughs> be prepared. And he understands that, you know, yeah. but you know, and I, I get the whole managing deer and all that stuff. But my thing is, like you said, who knows? So this would be a perfect example, right? So um, I've been with a fire department for 15 years and it was one of those things where I always wanted to, like, you know, I always want to film my hunts just to do it. Cause I grew up watching these shows and I, so I shot a deer actually that year, that was the first year I brought my wife with me to have her record. I just got all the equipment and, uh, 10 points. She forgot to hit record. So that's close as I came to a divorce. Um, <laughs> probably the most she's ever seen me upset. And, uh, so we were sitting in the tree and I was trying to shoot a doe cause we have a doe tag too. And, uh, I had, it was a nice, about 140 inch, uh, eight comes in and he was dogging a doe, the coolest vocalizations I've ever seen. Just this slow grunt into this rolling grunt. And, um, it was a 20 minute video. And at the end, the first time I'd ever seen it, he actually, you can't see the doe. She's off camera and uh, about 40 yards. And he just out of nowhere, just charges at her and like kind of roar scream, just bruh, you know, and and. Taylor was actually filming and you can see the camera shake. I mean, it scared the hell out of her. And I mean, I had never seen it. Um, that video out of, I, I put on uh, YouTube because I had a channel just because I had friends that lived in other States. And I was like, well, what am I going to do with this video when it's done? Right. Yeah. So yeah. out of nowhere, we were sitting on the couch one day. It was like a year after it was almost next hunting season. And uh, we were getting notifications and it was, our inbox was full on YouTube. And that video, it had like 250,000 views. And I was like, 
what is this? So <laughs> a whole nother year went by because I was, I, we had too much going on and um, I really didn't want to do YouTube and same thing happened the next year. So I was like, well, maybe I'll look into it. So same thing, too busy. So I finally said, look, I'm ready for a change. And if this can be the the segue into that and something that leads me into another adventure, whatever. And uh, I said, screw it. I'm going to start actually doing YouTube. Yeah. So it's been one year, you know, and uh, and it's it's funny that as I tell that story about that deer, I actually saw that same thing in Illinois again. Um, this He came in dogging this doe and just going back and forth, back and forth. Of course, he didn't come in for the shot. My mom ended up shooting him two days later. Um, but that doe was underneath my stand and she just stood there for 10 minutes. I mean, stone statue. And he's just back and forth, back and forth. And finally he did that same thing. He charged at her. And I mean, like roared at her. And so I, I guess what they were same situation, they were just pissed that that doe was standing there, not moving. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So he was like pretty much yelling at her, like, come on, do something. <laughs> so it's like a bluff charge or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's, it's, that's why I love hunting the Midwest, you know, Illinois, we've been there five years. I've never shot a deer in Illinois. That's like, you know, that's, uh, that's my nemesis is Illinois, but just what you see in the deer woods, especially in November, just being out there. And now I get to capture that on camera and hopefully share that with other people and they can be interested, you know, and again, that video did great, but it got all the experts telling me how I'm wrong. <laughs> and what, you know, it's like, listen, I don't, I don't care what your opinion is, you know, just here it is. Enjoy it. I so. like how you said all the experts. Uh, yeah, I could, I could feel that one. Um, yeah. People do. They just always have to have an opinion about everything. And I, yeah. I'm pretty sure there's like, there's a good amount of people on there that view things the same way that you do. But as soon as you voice it, then they have to have a different opinion. And yeah, yeah. it's at some point, it's just like, whatever, there, yeah. there's nothing you can do to appease them. Uh, sometimes I want to be like, why don't you like, do you make videos? Why don't you make yeah. videos? If, if everyone else is doing it wrong, you should just do yeah. this. Yeah, you're better at it. Why don't you show exactly, us? Yeah, you know exactly <laughs> what to do. Uh, that'll please everybody. So you've got leases in a bunch of different places. You said yeah. you're kind of you kind of bounce around do do your circuit. Um, is it all for whitetail or are oh, yeah. you hunting yeah. other things? So we used to have a place in uh, Colorado. Um, uh-oh, it's a boss. <laughs> But uh, we used to have a place in Colorado we'd go out to, and uh, I shot a good elk out there. You know, it wasn't them gigantic ones you see, but it was. I was in high school then, uh, a couple of mule deer. Um, and we lost that property, and it was just, it was kind of a pain getting out there. It got so expensive, and it's just outrageous, you know. Um, yeah. And then I got more into the whitetail stuff. You know, when I was younger, it was, I mean, I've always deer hunted. I didn't turkey hunt at first, which I was an idiot. I don't know why, because I love turkey hunting now. You know, something about the chase. I don't like sitting in a ground blind. I'm a run and gun guy. I like to be on a big piece and be able to go find them. But um, but I always, uh, I want to say in my early 20s, I was, I was almost just too trigger happy, right? Like I was a meat hunter. That first doe popped out. She was done. Yep. And then it wasn't until I started saying, well, you know, I want to start shooting some bucks now. Let's like, let's get into like true hunting. I guess maybe... I was almost uh, like took it for granted because I just grew up hunting. It's not like I ever, I just, I don't know. It was just, we did it for the, the, the venison and everything. And then I started saying, well, shit, I want to start horn hunting. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, I want that venison too. That's I should have dove first all the time anyway now. Um, but cause you know, we still need that herd management, but 
when I started actually not shooting the first thing that walked out, all of a sudden you start seeing the bucks and better deer and then you start patterning. And then, and then I went down that rabbit hole, you know, and I shot my first eight point good eight. I mean, my, my first year was a five point at a broken offside, you know, that was cool. Yeah. But uh, yeah. shot it with my dad, you know, and uh, that was in Georgia. We had had a lease, but then I started hunting our friend's property more and I was really the only one that hunted it. So I had free reign of it and it was, it's, it's like a family compound and the center of it's all their houses. So there's like this, just a ring almost of woods. There's a Creek that ran down the the middle of it. And that's where I'd go down in the, you know, the nastiest part of the Creek and uh, started shooting better deer, shot a good eight point for my first one. And uh, then we just got an opportunity to go out West and it's just a family friend of my dad's he's known forever. And he knew some guys that essentially their business was instead of flipping houses, they flipped hunting properties. Right. So this guy was working for them and they had a piece and I can't remember, I can't remember what the hell they called it, but um, it was about 600 acres. They built this million dollar metal building. You know, the one we all dream of that has the, yeah. the, the, the back of it has the walk-in coolers and that's where like gear lockers for all your, your camo and everything. I mean, Bill Jordan did a couple real tree monster buck episodes out there and stuff, you know, and um, he's like, Hey, I got this property that they were going to buy and they didn't buy it. So they were going to sell it to my dad's buddy. Long story short, we ended up being able to, they were, they owned the piece and they leased the piece next to it. So they sold it to a guy and then they didn't need to lease anymore. So they just let us take it over. Um, and it's, it's worked and we're actually uh, Fort Scott, Kansas. Do you know where that's at? Yeah. So that's, uh, that's where we're at right there. Jeez. And, uh, yeah. And the great thing is that property is, I'm going to say it's 400 acres and it's three miles from the Kansas line and you go three miles over two miles South. And that's our 200 acre Kansas piece. It's right on the line. So, you know, I just, I was too cheap to, to draw for the Kansas tag, but the past two years I finally have. I mean, because it's crazy expensive out of state. I'm sure you've looked at oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> the out of state prices are just going through the roof, man. I there's places that I quit putting in for certain things because, like, even just a preference point out in Colorado is a hundred dollars yeah. for a bighorn, a hundred dollars mm-hmm. for a mountain goat, a hundred dollars for a moose. And I'm like, without even drawing, without even having the possibility of drawing, you're going to be twelve hundred deep into into those hunts before you could even possibly draw much less. I mean, it's going to take 20 something years to even get it, especially as a non-resident. All right, guys, if you've been listening to the podcast, I'm sure you've heard me talk about the helicopter hog hunt that I did down in Texas. Now I went down there with rogue Texan outfitters and Landon and Brandon, the owners put us on the animals. We killed 150 pigs and 19 coyotes just from the air. On top of that, we went out thermal hunting at night and got up close and personal two more hogs. I didn't have to worry about bringing guns or ammunition because all of that was provided for me and it is to this day the most action-packed day of hunting I've ever had. I stand by what I've said in the past and that's that helicopter hog hunting is the funnest thing that you can do with pants on. In addition, they offer sandhill crane hunts and predator calling. So if you're looking for the most exciting hunt of your life and something that you're going to want to come back and do year after year, Go check out roguetexan.com and book your hunt today. Yeah, well, that's the problem. You know, hunting is getting, it's getting too expensive. You know, you're going to have to have quite a bit of money to be able to hunt. 
you know, especially private land, you know, luckily for us, we have a good relationship with our landowner. You know, she loves us. She's on our Facebook. She's the hurricane was coming, you know, that we just had. And she's messaging, you guys okay? Making sure, you know. And uh, I mean, she hasn't raised our rates and since we've had it in 10 years. That's and cool. just, which is awesome. And, and what's cool is it's me, my mom, my dad, my uncle, my cousin. Um, and then my wife, she was coming out. Um, that was actually, that was probably one of my favorite hunts that I filmed was her it was her so she came out and didn't film me shooting the 10 point <laughs> and uh so the next year um she she kind of wanted to come out to see what hunting was all about right um you know her her family doesn't hunt but she knew what it was she had yeah. no problem with it so i was like listen come out there and see what it was so the next year we went ahead and got her a spot on the lease so i said all right we're gonna try to shoot a mature deer let's see you know it was like the second day and uh this 10 point walks out and i was like of course, you know, like I told her, I said, I just shot my first 10 point last year. This is your first year hunting. Um, but I got that on camera and that was a really cool hunt to be a part of. And the best part was she was five months pregnant. Damn. So she's got this big old belly, you know, and uh, everybody was like, you can't be climbing the tree stand with her five months pregnant. But I'm like, look, whatever. I mean, I always use the lineman's ropes, you know, we're harnessed from the time we step onto the sticks to when we get back down, you know, so, yeah. um, but it was cool, you know, and it, it, it was kind of a good and a bad thing. Um, but at least now she understands why I do it. Maybe, uh, if I'm in Bass Pro, Hey, I need that. She's like, yeah, you probably do. So that works out. There's way less arguments now because she understands why I need that, you know? <laughs> See, that's the key. I think for anybody who wants a better hunting budget just go out on a hunt with your wife and make it really <laughs> miserable and don't have enough gear or the right gear and the there next you time go. you go yeah. to Bass Pro they're gonna be like buy whatever you want um that's awesome have you found yeah. when you're making your circuit does it kind of like stack up uh for rut hunts all over the place or are you hunting a lot of places where you kind of have to pick and choose what state you want to hunt during it the just rut? depends yeah honestly so we've done it both ways where we'll drive straight to Kansas and Missouri. Right. Um, we've done it where we drive to Illinois first and we'll hang stands and everything, which we already have them now, but like maybe I'll go there and I'll do a mock scrape or something, put a dripper on it and then yeah. come back and see, you know, but honestly, you know, I, everybody talks about it, but the rut happens no matter what, but the weather is what kills you every single time, you know? And I tell people that like, look, this year, this was probably the worst year we've ever had. It was in the 80s, four or five days. We were out there November 1st till the 12th. So, I mean, you know, you live out there, right? I mean, yeah. it was brutal. And I, it was probably the least amount of shooters. I had, I literally, the second deer I, sh the, the, that I saw was the one I shot. And he wasn't even, you know, he's not near my biggest deer, but it was the 21st sit. And that was the first one I saw actually grunting. Well, I take it back. I got two like uh, probably 170 inch and a hundred and he was probably over that and they were nocturnal and they were kind of in the same areas. And this is our Kansas piece. Right. Yeah. And they're five miles apart our Missouri and Kansas. It might as well be hunting in Florida and Missouri. I mean, it, it's that drastic of a difference, just five miles, Dang. you know, and no deer activity over there, over here. I was seeing a lot of younger bucks moving around. It was on the cooler mornings, you know, I mean, it, it never froze really. Um, I would see some and I shot a doe early on younger buck was chasing her and, uh, 
it was the my 20th sit so i mean uh, it was like the ninth day um i saw it was a non-typical he had like it looked like his just when he was growing it just exploded out of his head he was the most gnarly looking i mean we have a lot of cool non-typicals um year before last i shot a pretty good one i got that on actually i didn't get i didn't get the shot on camera but i have the recovery and everything he's an awesome deer but um i saw him that night before i shot the one and i had just parked the truck you know and that's so you hear like these guys talking about like approaches to the stand and all this kind of stuff and like sometimes it's impossible like I get it. You watch these guys on TV. Those guys are hunting these big managed properties that they literally know every deer's name and year round where he's at and stuff. And granted, yeah, there's something to it. But there's a reason I say that that particular deer, like I was running late, I drove and I parked probably 200 yards from where I was sitting. Like you park on the property line and it's these big fields and it's woods, you know, fingers of woods. Yep. So I'm yeah. in the finger and I can see the truck and he walked right next to the truck and he comes out and, you know, and those deer are used to that kind of stuff. Now, if I was running around in the middle of the field, yeah, sure. He's not going to come out, right? You might bump him, but, you know, I, that's just how it is. And, of course, the does went the other way. I grunted at him. He looked, and he didn't care. When they're on a doe, it doesn't matter, you know? They're just like guys. Man, when when guys are horny, we get really stupid. Uh, <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> that, uh, a buck during the rut is the equivalent of – a guy on a four wheeler after a couple of drinks, a camera comes out and <laughs> there you go. it's a big group, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. that's, there's a lot of truth to that, you know, and that's the thing, like we were there and that's the only time we had, you know, and you know, Missouri, um, that's another thing, man. Like when you hunt out of state, the, all the rules are so stupid and you got to really be up on all of them. Like Missouri, well, I think gun season was a 12th. So we always stay up to gun season. We don't hunt gun season. That's when we usually go to Missouri or uh, Illinois. But if I wanted to stay, even if I want to hunt with a bow, I have to buy a gun tag to be able to hunt with my bow during gun season. Yeah. You know, and then you can't shoot that second buck until after that gun season's over. The problem in Missouri is though their gun season is right in the middle of almost always the best rut. I mean, that's usually four years. It's kicked off wide open. And that deer that I saw and I filmed him out in the field, he got shot a week later after we left, you know? So it's like with a gun and he was out in the middle of the field being dumb, you know, but that's That's been a big complaint for, for years from a lot of different people. Unfortunately, the bulk of tag sales go to rifle hunters, you know? Yeah. And so when they're listening to, when they're listening to the public opinion, it's like, Hey, this is where the money's coming from. So we can't just cater to, you know, the archery hunter or the alternative yeah. season hunter. Um, but yeah, I can, I can imagine that would get pretty frustrating. <laughs> you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're there, you've got a tag, you don't want to make a totally separate trip. And I'm That's in the same boat. I love, I love getting a deer early season with my bow, mm-hmm. but then it almost ruins it for rifle season. Cause I'm sitting there like I could shoot one during rifle. Yeah. I really want to shoot one with my bow again. And, yeah, yeah. you know, sure, I, I'm buying the tag anyway, so I might as well. I just have a really hard time not carrying a rifle during rifle season because I know I'm going to see that big one <laughs> out of bow range. <laughs> yeah, especially out there, man. Like, you know, here and in Georgia, most of the places I sit, I mean, I'm not getting more than a 40-yard shot anyway. Yeah. You know, now out there for sure. Now, you know, the thing is, like with Kansas, 
Yeah, I mean, you see those guys. They at the end, so you got those field fingers, and they set up a blind at the end of the finger, and you have this. You know, you're a sniper up on the ridge, and that's fine. Hey, if you get that deer that way, that's cool. But you know, it's just it's it's it does definitely make it easier. And I, it's uh, so Illinois, right? I'll go into their rules. We go for a week, and I get a five day license. It saves me twenty dollars over an entire year long bow license it's 520 dollars or something like that Jeez. and they're one of those you have to buy the gun or the um you have to buy the hunting stamp the deer stamp the you know it's like you just go to the guy and you're like how much is it going to cost just give me everything i need you know and hope that it's right yeah. <laughs> like that's, but they have uh they have three gun seasons and they're each two days long and they're only uh there's no it's shotgun and black powder only which you know, these new shotguns that have the rifle barrels, they can reach out and touch those deer for sure. But yeah. Uh, yeah. it's just crazy how different from one state to the other. And like I said, even for us, as far as the deer movement and the deer activity, five miles apart, it's completely different. And that's what I, so what I do is like this year I got there, put cameras out and I just went to Missouri because that's kind of our go-to. I was, you know, I shoot a deer there every year. Um, and I figured, let me see what happens. Let's see where all the activity's at. And there was just more big deer I got on camera at night, but it was still getting pictures um, in Kansas. And that's where I went. I didn't hunt Missouri once this entire year. Well, the first day I hunted it. So it was weird. I've always hunted over there, you know. Um, but I had that luxury of being able to do two states at once. Yeah. So, yeah. And I've drawn two years in a row. Kansas is a, a draw state, you know, for out-of-state guys. Um, I may not get it next year you know that yeah. sucks yeah that, that's the tough part about those states that you have to draw or really any tag that you have to draw it's like when you get it you kind of have to capitalize on it because you might not get it again yeah. the next year or the next year and i talk to guys <clears throat> especially up in iowa they're like dude in iowa oh, yeah, yeah you yeah. know you're lucky to get it every three years yeah yeah you had to put in for it for three or four years before you get one and you know and, and that's got to be kind of wild too especially coming from out of state if you're if you're hunting public land, mm -hmm. a lot can change in three years, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. There's going to be certain spots. Like if the habitat stays the same, great, but you know, any type of fire, major flooding that can, that can alter a whole public sure. land system. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, honestly for us too, since we live so far away, we can't just run up there and, you know, kind of scout or clear lanes or whatever. And if that farmer the past two years, I want to say even three years, the farmer hasn't planted. It's been too wet. So the neighbor, he lives out there. So he puts food plots in and his farmer actually is a pretty good farmer. They've worked with him. Our farmer doesn't like us. Um, the way it, a lot of these places were when the farmer leased the land, they automatically just hunted it. Right. So that was an issue that we had had originally when we got the property, they just got there and hunt. And if the landowner doesn't live anywhere near, they don't pay attention. The farmer's supposed to be out there anyway, you know, so he said, oh, no, you know, we lease this for the farm grounds. We get to hunt it, too. Well, that's not the case, you know. So um, so that was an issue. But, yeah, so now if we don't if it's not planted, it all those deer get pulled over on our neighbor. So we might have a trespasser come over every once in a while. You know, now if the rut isn't kicked off wide open, your chances of shooting a big deer go way down. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Unless you can get over on his property line, maybe they're coming to check and see on the edge of a field or something like that. Because they'll still come to fields. but um that's kind of been our big issue lately for sure on that property 
Yeah, when corn, when corn or beans or alfalfa or whatever it is don't go up or don't come down, uh, that's another yeah. issue that I've seen in the past. It's been too wet to harvest. Yeah. And yeah. when when they're standing corn, especially when I go up to Wisconsin to hunt, dude, it changes everything. Those deer have no reason to go anywhere else but yeah. stay in the corn, and they you disappear can't hunt in there. there. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way. Yep. I mean, uh, I talked to, I talked to the farmer whose land we hunt. He's like, from the combine, I can see. He's like, I can see the deer moving. And I'll be coming down this strip, you know, cutting 18, 20 rows wide, yeah. whatever it is. He's like, I'll be coming down this strip and I'll just see the deer hop Move. over <laughs> 20, 20 rows of corn, yeah. turn around, come back, and they do it again until there's nothing left. And he's like, until mm. you cut that final strip, they're not leaving the corn. And if I leave that strip up, they'll just stay there yeah. forever. You know, well, you've seen those, uh, those videos online, those guys cutting that stuff and they got a bunch of hogs. Yeah. And they'll go to the last row and the hogs just scatter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see you see like a a 500 square foot area of corn and there's just hogs. I saw one also with bears. There was a no, sow no and like five cubs and they all wow. broke it out of the end of this corn when this combine's coming through. <laughs> I'm like, see, you just call me. Just give me a call when you're about to cut that last oh, yeah. and then How I'll go set up be? on the rifle and, or well, on the hill with the rifle and we'll see yeah. what I can come up with. Yeah, man, I'll tell you what, that's, um, there's so much that affects hunting, right? And that's the thing. Again, we watch these guys on these TV shows that have these managed properties where the food plots are always going in. They've got, you know, they're managing it. They're only shooting certain deer. Yeah, it makes it, it makes it easier. I, you know, and, and again, there ain't nothing wrong with that. I wish I could do that too. Yeah. You know, I mean, but, you know, then you got, um, you know, you see these guys like, uh, what's the, the guys on YouTube that hunt the public land, you know? Oh yeah. The hunting public. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So those guys are pretty cool. I enjoy watching them, you know, but the thing is, and I tell people all the time is how often do they come to Florida and hunt public land. They don't, you know, I mean, you gotta, Florida is like the third most populated state in the union. Right. And public land is like a war zone. I won't hunt public land out here. That property we have, I'll go there. Like I said, for nostalgia, and again, I haven't been out there in nine years. This is the first year I went and I'm sitting in the stand at seven in the morning. Perfect time. These two idiots come walking by and it's like, look, I understand it's public land, but I mean, why the hell are you walking around at seven? You know, and it's like, it's just so that's why I never really hunted a whole lot here on public land. You know, now yeah. the only, you know, the and there's guys out there that will argue, oh, yeah, it's still good. And it is. And these guys haven't figured out, you know, maybe I just don't know what the hell I'm doing. Um, but we have certain like special opportunity hunts they call it and a friend of mine he does one and it's like a quota type thing you have to put in for it but you can also like i mean i guess for a better way a word it's bribing them essentially you can pay so much and it gets you more points right interesting Kinda like you were talking about but it's not like it doesn't roll over it's just for that pick so but you can do it he was explaining it to me like you can do it when you apply, but then like a week later and then like another week later. So then like these guys have these systems where it's like $50 and maybe another 75. And then it's like, what? <laughs> so, you know, it's uh it's a weird system Florida has for sure here. Yeah. That's wild. It sounds like a, almost like a raffle deal. Like the more money Kinda. you pay, the more chances you have. And yeah. Yeah. I'm glad it's not like that all over the place because out in Colorado, you know, you've got these, po the point system, you do have to pay. And so like, mm -hmm the more years you do it, the better your odds are going to be, but you can't yeah. just buy like 50 points one year. If you yeah. could, it would only be the rich, exactly like the richest people hunting. So sure. to have those opportunities, um, 
the way that they are out west, I think is good. Although mm-hmm. there's definitely still some flaws with some of the systems. Yeah, um, you can never make it perfect, right? No. What uh? What do you have next? What's What's your next season, or what's the first thing to open up down there? Um. Well, see, that's what's great is like you know we can pretty much fish year round here, right? Yep. There's always something coming in and out of season, so it just depends on who calls me and says, "Hey, let's go do this," or "Hey, the you know the cobia are spawning," and or you know we get certain areas here where you can go cast net these gigantic shrimp. I mean, like nine inch, huge. You know, it's just like just there's so many rant. Florida is great because there's a lot of stuff to do. It also sucks because it's very crowded. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And being a firefighter, that's the best thing about it is my schedule. I only do that stuff in the middle of the week, you know? So, but I mean, this year, like now what I'm going to do, and I've never done it because like I said, we go out there for two weeks um, to Missouri, Kansas. Then we go to Illinois for a week. I haven't been to Georgia in three years. I just been busy, had the kid, you know, and just too much going on. Um, I screen print on the side. We cut hay during the summertime. We've got, wagyu bull uh cows i don't know if you're a wagyu or not but that's oh yeah cattle we raise here and um which the good thing about that is not only do we have awesome steak but we save the fat so all that fat that's what we grind into our venison so we bring coolers of fat with us when we go out west you know <laughs> here take our fat. yeah it changes the game man you can't eat venison this it's not the same anymore it's it's amazing it really is um but i've got a piece of property so like i said we do hay Four years ago, we had this field and I was like, man, this looks big buck, right? I mean, this is big bucky over here. Like I'm, so I put a camera up without asking for permission to hunt it. And the first picture was like 140 inch, like 10, you know, I mean, in Florida, the registry starts at hundred inches. So you're going the, you go in Florida's registry book at hundred inches. So 140 is a big deer here. And, uh, the neighbor he so that story was that guy was okay with me hunting he he lives down in miami but he had bought it from the neighbor who we hay their property as well and he's like if he doesn't care then i don't care so i talked to him and his wife was one of those you know they're pets and all that so oh well what are you gonna do so i walked to the edge of the field i look through and i'm like man that looks really good over there so fast forward three years we hayed that property last year Got to know the people just from doing the hay and stuff. And I was like, listen, this is always my segue around here because we are horse country where I'm at. And all these horse people are really big kind of tree hugger type people and they don't understand hunting. So, but these people were kind of cool. And I said, listen, what if I go out and start shooting some coyotes and see how that goes? Okay, cool. So I get permission to do the coyotes. So I put the cameras up and I just started throwing corn out and I was like, let's see what's here. And this was in August and I got four bucks that I would have shot. I was like, okay, this is pretty good. So I started to talk to him a little more, a little more. So then uh, it's funny how it worked out because the wife finally is like, you know what? You go ahead. Just don't tell my husband. If you want to shoot a deer, go ahead. So then a month later, he tells me the same thing. Yeah, I don't mind. Just don't tell my wife. (laughs) I was like, all right, well, I guess this works. So this property, it's weird. So like you pull in off the paved road and it's like a zigzag. So their house is right in the front. It zigs over to the right. They've got all their barns. They've got someone living in a camper. And it zags back, you know, away from the road. And that's probably five acres. So really, the only place to set up was in that back little five-acre sliver. To the, I guess it would be the north of that, was that field where I got the picture of the big deer. So we haven't had that in four years. It is a jungle. 
I mean, it is so overgrown. You would never believe me if I showed this place to you that we used to cut hay off this. I mean, it's amazing how much it's grown. But north or the, the west of that is a rock quarry, an old rock quarry. So you got these big, huge dirt hills that are so overgrown. So it, it kind of funnels the deer to that corner, yeah. right? So, they, yeah. you know, they can still kind of slip by me if they wanted to. Um, so I was steadily getting pictures of some decent deer. Then it kind of stopped. Well, then we went out west. And I was like, well, I pulled all the cameras down. So when I got back, I put all my cameras back up. And of course, this is the second year in a row. You think I would have learned. We're at the grocery store and my phone went off. And right here on the farm, which I'm working on trying to shoot a deer here too. On our farm, it's 82 acres, but it's almost all pasture. We have a two, three acre, maybe sliver of woods. And that's it. And I had put a camera in there and I got two pretty damn good deer for Florida. And I was at the grocery store and this deer pops up, of course, eight o'clock in the morning. You know, I told Taylor, I was like, I knew it. I knew I should have sat, but you know, you just got back from three weeks and I want to spend time with her and all that, you know, how that goes. Um, so when I put the camera back up over there on that other property, I got a picture of two really nice eights and one, he was, he was big. And I was like, all right, this is the deer I'm going to go after. So that was, uh, what November, I guess towards, it was right, right before Thanksgiving. So I really started hunting that deer hard December and I've never been able to actually try to pattern a deer or do any of that. Cause like I said, we just go hunt and then leave, you know, it's, yep. it's, it's a tough way to hunt. So I've never named a deer. So <laughs> I would be at work and we clock in at eight o'clock every morning. Right. Whenever I work 24 on 48 off. Okay. So I got to be there at eight in the morning. So I can't hunt that morning. Right. Obviously I can't hunt that afternoon sit cause I'm at work. Well, we don't get off till eight the following morning. So by the time I clock out, I can't go sit. So technically, I really only have one morning that I can go sit and I can hunt the evenings. Well, this deer ended up being a morning buck for sure. And I would literally be standing at the clock to clock in and my phone would go off. So I named this deer Shifty because he was always there on shift. And I'm like, man. So it was like this ongoing joke at work. You know, they'd be like, well, you get any pictures of him? You know, you get any pictures of him? And I'd go on the afternoons, nothing. So we had a Christmas party and we were sitting out there and it was like three o'clock. And I was like, I don't know if I want to go, you know, I'm kind of getting burnt out. I said, he never shows up at night. What happened that night? He showed up, of course, you know? And I was like, well, you know, whatever. So I'm like, I'm going to hunt this deer harder and harder. Two weeks go by. Same thing. He's showing up. He's daylighting at eight o'clock every morning that I'm at work and getting off. Same thing. It would have been maybe two weeks. And I said, I, I forget I was doing something and I just ended up saying, you know what? I need to break again. I just, you know, same thing. He showed up again. He only showed up twice in the afternoon sit. And it was when I decided not to go. And I swear, I thought the deer could see me. I thought he was watching me. Yeah. You know, and I mean, this area, it's, it's not urban hunting. Like you see some of these guys do the urban it's, but it's still like the people are right there. Like the one sit, I'm sitting there and there's a guy right here, a hundred yards behind me. They're piling up all these trees they cut down on the neighbor to get, make a burn pile. Yeah. And they shut yeah. it off and the two guys are just talking in Spanish back and forth. And I'm like, man, I ain't gonna see nothing. Sure enough, I saw two spikes come out, a couple of does. And I'm like, all right. So, I mean, these deer are used to it, but it's kind of tricky to, you know, it's hard to pattern them because what if those guys are over there that day? Well, that deer's just going to go somewhere else. It's not going to spook him right? But he's going to go somewhere else. He's not going to come by that day. So as I'm hunting this deer, a random deer shows up, same thing, eight o'clock. 
broad daylight, it's the biggest Florida deer I've ever seen. He's an 11 with a split G2, probably 150-ish. I mean, he's a stud, heavy. And uh, I was like, what is going on? Like, <laughs> aspiring against me. So um, that and that deer, I actually got another picture of him. I've only gotten two, two separate days. So I thought he was just a trespasser, but maybe he's still around. Um, we'll see. I haven't gotten any pictures of him again. But um, it was a the week before season um, ended. And the week before that, we had days in the 20s. And it doesn't get in the 20s a whole lot here. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I'm going to see him. You know, I had a ground blind set up. That's what I've been hunting. I had the little Mr. Buddy heater in there. I'm like, man, I'm going to be set, you know. I got my electric vest. Like, this is Florida. I shouldn't be this freaking cold, but whatever. I'm going to see deer. And I swear, there's less movement here, it seems, when it's cold, at least for where I'm at, than when it was hot. You know, it was unbelievable. Yeah, so – it was a week before and it was la- the last morning I could hunt. Cause it was my daughter's birthday. We were going down to doing a Disney trip and uh, he had been there two days in a row at eight o'clock. He's never showed up three days in a row. And I'm like, you know, this is it. Like he's not going to do it. And, and he always comes in from the left. Always. And, you know, I'm, I'm watching my phone and I'm like, man, it's seven 55. It's seven 56. And I'm just staring over there out of the side of the blind. I got to peek over the thing. Cause I got the, the side up. And it was like 805, 810. And I'm like, well, that's it. And I just kind of looked to my right and I could see movement and I saw horns. Well, it was kind of thick in the and it's like a little strip of woods. He was behind some palmettos. And I was like, that looks like a buck, right? So I got everything, cameras on, turn on, my cameras on, I'm all these set up, and then nothing. I don't see it. And I'm like, all right, I'm I'm imagining things now. Like I want this to happen so bad, <laughs> right? Like that's not him. And I had set up, uh, I finally, actually, I finally got permission to hunt on that property too, that I said I wasn't able to. He finally let me hunt. So I had put a stand up on the opposite side of where I was. It's a real thick, there's a 60 acre chunk of woods. Nobody hunts. That's the bedding, right? And I got a picture of him coming out. As soon as I hung it, I hunted over there twice, never saw a deer. So again, that was the like four days before this. And um, I just, like I said, didn't see nothing. Shut the camera off, put the bow down, everything. And I looked back up, and there he was walking by. And he had come from a different way he's never come before. And it just worked out great because he was right in front of me. You know, I got him coming in and looking. He was kind of sketched out. He was definitely spooky for some reason, which I don't know why. He didn't smell me, but came over the fence, came around, you know, got a good shot on him. Um, but I haven't scored him, but he's probably pushing 130, you know. And, and honestly, that's the second Florida buck I've ever shot. The first one was two weeks before I kind of, I just got trigger happy and I had a a younger eight come in. Um, So not only was he the first buck I shot in Florida, but he uh, ran into a tree and snapped his horn off. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever had that happen. No, that that would be a first. Yeah. It's funny too. Cause when I reviewed the footage and I was editing it, you can actually, you can't see it, but you can hear it when he hits, it just snaps. And I'd gotten over to him and I'm looking, I'm like, man, something is wrong with this deer. Sure enough. You know, but, um, but yeah, man, that was, that was the hardest I've ever hunted for a deer because I've never been able to, right? Yeah. Like I said, I put cameras out. I see what's there and I hope one of them walks by. This was different. This was, I know it's him and, uh, you know, I'm trying to pattern him. He's unpatternable. Another part of the story I didn't mention, I'm sitting, it was 10 o'clock. I'm sitting at the station in the recliner and my phone goes off and it was a buddy of mine that knows I hunt over there. And he's like, it was a picture Right. But all I saw was the top of the, the text. I didn't see the picture yet. I said, Hey, this isn't your deer, is it? Oh, no. And like instantly, I was like, Wait a second. No. And I'm uh, this deer, like I looked at him for five minutes and I'm like, Man, like that looks like him. 
a lot of the deer are very similar, right? And and with these cameras, they don't take as crisp of pictures like our regular SD card cameras do. And it was just really hard to tell. But man, like this guy, he was hunting in this. I mean, the the landmarks that he gave were like right next to where I was. And I've never seen anyone hunting there. I didn't know anyone was around. He even sent him a picture of a six point, a real big six point that Shifty was running around with. I would see those two together quite often. Yeah. And I was like, that's him. Like he shot him. But the more I analyzed it, went through all my pictures. I actually had the deer, the guy shot on camera. Those two deer look so identical when I just was glancing. I just assumed it was Shifty and not this other one. So it's just crazy how, yeah, how it turned out. And I've got two more that literally look like his spawn. I mean, weak brow tie on one side, good one, kind of crooked. I mean, they're genetically the same. And it's like, man, that's, it's crazy just from, and that was just making a relationship just through doing hay and throwing a camera up. Yep. And then now look, you know, so, and uh, that's my goal this year is to, I'm going to start putting feet out over there. So these deer are genetically fantastic already. So if I can pump feed to them, um, I'm going to use our feed from the farm. So we feed our cows. It's a, uh, crack corn distiller's grain soybean hole and we actually use citrus pellet now um and they also uh, put mineral in it we mix it all together yeah they back it in with a big truck it augers it out so i was like i've already got this stuff it's 16 percent protein like 12 percent fat i mean why not so i just did a test the deer eating it like crazy so nice I'm gonna nice. some little feed bunks and yeah i'm gonna so i'm gonna make it a whole story about taking this little tiny chunk like i literally have five acres i'm allowed to hunt on and I still made it happen, you know. Jeez. And people people discount that. They're like, oh, man, I've only got 20 acres. I've only got 10 acres. Yeah. You can make it happen. If you hunt smart, and I'm not saying every, like, if you just have an open pasture and it's just five acres in the open pasture, you yeah. have nowhere to hide. Obviously, it's gotta there's, be in the right there's some serious challenge there. But yeah. we've only got, uh, I haven't I haven't mapped it out fully yet, probably three to five acres of woods here. Everything okay. else is pasture, yeah. but the way that it funnels south of the road, we've got big woods and then my tree lines, they go straight up to a, the north fence boundary where they plant a couple hundred acres of corn. So it's a perfect okay. funnel. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. although I, I can see all the way through the tree row right in front of me, it's just enough cover where the deer are going to work that fence line and get from sure. cover to cover to the to the corn whether or not they they do it during daylight that's a different (laughs) story you know hopefully i can catch one but this is going to be my first year and i've been seeing sign already in the woods i i went and pulled a couple cameras i plan on putting them up today and Mm. just see what ends up happening but yeah small properties i can't tell you how many the other nice thing about small properties is you don't overanalyze it right that's true. When you've yeah. got five acres, you don't you can have, only go so many places. <laughs> you don't have fifty trees that you can put your stand in. Yeah, you you've got a couple that are actually going to work, and that's one of my biggest issues with the property just down the street. It's you know between a couple different properties, it's about three hundred acres, and every day I'm like, dude, which tree should I sit in? Where should I <laughs> where should I climb? Yeah, that you does know, suck. Yeah, what ground blind? Where should we go for calling coyotes? Like, I mean. At every turn here, yeah, I don't have that many options. Yeah. So I think that's going to work to my benefit, actually. And if it happens, it happens. If not, you know, yeah. I'll try to figure it out and switch things up. But, that's it, man. As long as you, the longer you own property, you know, and 
that's the thing, right? Like I've got a tree, actually the tree that uh, Taylor shot her deer when she was pregnant. Two days later, I shot a buck. I shot that 10 point. I shot my non-typical and I shot one other one. I shot five bucks out of that tree. Dang. You know, and it's like you hear these guys talk about, well, yeah, these, you know, these old timers get a tree and that's it. And that's the, where they sit. Like, you know, sometimes I might throw a climber up to tweak where I'm at, but then they end up over at the same friggin' spot anyway. And I'm like, screw it. I, I quit hunting, you know? <laughs> yeah. These mobile hunting setups didn't used to exist. I mean, I'm sure people made, made do with what they had, but I used to sit on the same dead stump in the woods for years. Yeah, and even yeah, yeah. now, like I've got a saddle system. I could go and hang it in any tree on the property up in Wisconsin during rifle season. Instead, I sit on the same little knob in the middle of the woods that I always yeah. have. And it seems yeah. to work out. And yeah. so you don't have to, you don't have to be mobile. You don't have to stay put. Like that's the nice thing about hunting. And again, back to the debate thing, everybody always has the best way to do it. The only way to do it. And it's yeah, just yeah, not yeah. true. Like there's, oh, man. There's a thousand. How do you want ways. to do it? Yeah, that's it. Like, like, like you said, the saddle thing. I just, I, I don't understand them. I just kind of recently saw them, but I mean, I guess if you're hunting public land, you're going a long way. You know, that would make sense. But other than that, I don't. I can't see hanging on a tree all day would be. It's just weird to me. <laughs> I mean, the the saddle systems are are definitely helpful. I did switch to it this year um, for the different types of hunts that I do. It's mm -hmm. never going to be as comfortable as like a giant hang on stand you know like yeah, I'm, you, I'm a you millennium bring, guy i love yeah. my millenniums <laughs> you bring that up in the tree like it's comfortable man they make them comfortable yeah. but the the issue that i ran into here and the main reason that i got a saddle system is because i would see the deer moving quite a bit like mm -hmm. they would just shift they'd bump 70 yards down the fence line where they would cross into the cover and i'm like okay. dude i gotta be able to get over there i'm not unscrewing all of my pegs on yeah. top of that these trees around here it's not yeah. like Georgia pines where it's you straight and clear tree. for 40 <laughs> yards. You know, you can't find a straight tree. You can't find a tree that doesn't have big limbs coming off of it low. And so I'm for like, sure. I can't get a climber in it. I'm not going to screw new pegs in every time. Yeah. I could, I could do a lightweight hang on stand, but then finally I just said, screw it. I'm going to get a, a saddle system. And I'm glad I did. Cause I shot my biggest buck with a bow this year okay. and I wouldn't, I can't say I wouldn't have got a shot. I may have been able to, yeah. But, but the angles that you can shoot at from the saddle—that's the number one benefit in my mind. Okay. Like you yeah. can you can spin any direction, three hundred and sixty degrees around the tree, without having to lean way out and hope your harness catches you when you when you yeah. step off the edge. You know. Yeah, for um, sure. But they're cool, man. I I think forever I'll probably do a hybrid setup. I'll have trees that I've got permanent stands in. I'll mm -hmm. have a saddle system. Eventually, I'll have like an actual blind a tower blind somewhere um and yeah we'll go that route yeah now that makes sense too like you said that's our biggest problem out there this freaking trees man they're also crooked and gnarly and you know like illinois this was the first year i've ever done it i've never done it before i'm like you know what i'm just gonna try it do the old hanging hunt right yeah. like <laughs> i knew across the road my dad hunts by this road and he shoots every deer they for some reason they come through there like he's got all the luck in illinois and I was like, I'm going to go on the other side of the road. There's a little sliver we can hunt. I'm going to go over there. And I just took my climber and I went over there. So like, I'll tell you right now too, the biggest thing that's changed the way we hunt is the electric bikes. Oh, yeah. I love oh, those things, man. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I zip, I'll, I'll go right to the tree and lay it at the base of the tree. I have had yep. no issues yeah. with beer spooking with that, you know, 
everybody probably thinks you're crazy doing that. But I mean, <laughs> they see you, they don't know what the hell you are. You're just cruising along. You just, you just keep going. You just go right by them. I've literally driven by deer. They just watch you. They don't know what the heck it is, you know, but, um, but with that climber on my back, hopped on the bike, drove down, laid it in a little ditch in the field, went and hung and saw like 12 deer. That's it. You Dang, know, just what a big one, but it was like, it was cool. Cause it felt kind of accomplishing, you know, like, when you go in the woods, you try to read the sign, but yeah, okay, here's a trail. The deer are hopefully going to use this, but they're still an animal. They're yep. going to come from wherever the hell they want. That's what I like. These guys are like, they get so focused on like the bedding to the feet and they're going to transition through here. I don't know about you, but I'll sit that one tree for like 10 hunts in a row and I never see deer come from the same direction. Yep. I, I think they just wake up that day and they're like, I'm just going to go this way, you know? So if you maybe it's like, if you're hunting a field and you know, they're going to come a certain way, or maybe, maybe where your shot's going to be, you don't want to hunt with the wind blowing right there. But I mean, I don't, uh, I don't try to do the, the scent elimination anymore. I think it's a waste of money, all that crap. Honestly, I do scent covers. I try to make myself smell more. So, um, we started using nose jammer. I don't know if you ever heard of that. Oh yeah. I mean, even here in Florida, We've, I've had fantastic results. My uh, cousins hunt in Georgia. They got a lease on the you know west side of Georgia and same thing. Like we all swear by it. I mean, I haven't had a doe blow in me in five years. You know, I, and I've filmed deer. And at first I didn't know what the hell was going on. I thought, I literally thought a bug flew up this deer's nose, but she was (laughs) downwind to me and I had that stuff on and it went in her olfactory, I guess, and screwed up. And she's literally just pawing her nose, just blown and blown, blown up like for two minutes straight. So I was like, all right, this stuff must work. It's literally Sweet. jamming her. <laughs> it's literally jamming it up. Yeah. See, I, I agree with the scent, uh, the cover scent. I just do smoke. I, I smoke that, my yeah. clothes and I love it. I do it I'm all the time. Try it. I might never, try it this year. It makes never sense. Never had an issue. I mean, with pigs, coyotes, elk, hogs, like, okay, it, it's just, it's a natural smell. And you got to think how far away you can smell smoke from. Yeah, you trust know. me, I know. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, and it stays on everything. So it's like yeah. every animal out there has smelt smoke, whether it's from they a smoke, bonfire yeah. or a forest fire. And sure. I I heard this lady talk about it years ago, and she was like, man, deer are, deer are curious when they smell smoke. She would light a fire at the base of her trees, just like a real small smoldering fire with, with leaves on it. So it produced really? a lot of smoke. And she's okay. like, dude. I'll go sit up in my tree. I light that little tiny fire and I get up there and I start looking and there's deer coming from all over and they're just kind of like peeking through the woods trying to find out what the fire is. And I'm like, this lady is crazy. Like she is absolutely (laughs) crazy. And then I talked to some of the people that I respect most in the elk world, like hunting elk. First thing they do, they get out there, they make a bonfire. They just put some green boughs over it and they hang their clothes above it. And they'll do that yeah. before the first hunt and they'll do it halfway through the hunt if they're out there for a long time. And makes sense. They're like, it's just a cover scent. There's yeah, you're not gonna there's no smell out there that will you overpower the smell of smoke. You can't eliminate it. Like you don't want to go lay in the diesel exhaust of your truck, right? Yeah. But I mean, even for like for me, when I especially when it's cold out, it sucks because I can't put all my clothes on if I'm walking to my stand so far, I'm going to be sweating my ass off. You know, it's like, so you try to dress and carry it and I got all this stuff and I got my camera gear and it's like, you know, there's no way I'm not putting off odor. Yeah, I could spray myself again, but so yeah, but and it was funny. It's funny you say that because we were talking about the smoke thing. 
And uh, I mean, shit, that's what the Indians did, right? Yep. <laughs> so, it works. I'm right, telling. I mean, there's going to be people who are like, man, I I got blown at by a deer, or you know, uh, a lead cow smelled me and pushed the whole herd out. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's worked for me. I'm not saying it's the only way to go about it. I don't yeah, claim yeah. that with anything. But just <laughs> keep your mind open. My brother, yeah. he used to tell me, he's like, dude, I smoke in the tree stand all the time. Like, right, I will yeah, sit well, there. And those guys like, used to do that back in the day. Oh, yeah. And I can't tell you how many people I talk to that are like, dude, I'll have to set my cigarette down to draw my bow back. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> there's something about smoke that just almost, they might be a little on edge, a little curious, but it almost puts them at ease. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, how many times too, uh, have you seen deer off in the distance and the doe start blowing, you know, it's not a you. Yeah. So it could have been them. They were close to you. And then they started blowing at something else. They could yep. be blowing at that buck. you know, I told you that buck was dogging that doe and she's blowing and screaming at him. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. Like I said, I enjoy the entire process of deer hunting. Right. I don't yeah. try. If something new happens. Yeah. cool. Like, you know, you see these licking branches and all this kind of stuff. Like, yeah, those are cool. There's something to that. In the right area, it works, you know, do what works for you. Get out in the outdoors. My thing with the YouTube channel, right, is like I'm hoping it introduces at least people to even just this lifestyle of everything that we do. Um, You know, in the fire department, even late. So lately in the past five years, it's gotten pretty bad here as far as mental health. But um, the past two weeks, we've actually had two suicides in our department. Oh, man. And, you know, it's. uh it's something I never thought about. Um, I mean, I may have been depressed at one point or, um, I don't know, just not on the top of my game or something, but obviously it's never gotten to that level. But I think for me, I have so many outlets, you know, especially the outdoors. Many times you go in the woods and you don't see anything, but you're just in the woods and it's just, you're there, man. Like it's just peaceful and you're just relaxing and enjoying it. That's what it's all about, you know? So and it's like, I can't help but think like, what if these guys had, you know, access to the outdoors or maybe they were doing more of that, you know, it, it may not have changed anything, um, but who knows, you know? Um, so that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm leaning. If I can get some of those guys, I want to reach out and I can take them out or kind of get them started. You know, the hunting side's hard to take guys hunting, but fishing here, we, yeah. uh, we can do that. And um, even if you can be a mentor to somebody, right. I mean, I already had that. I didn't have to ask. I just grew up in hunting. Yep. You know, yeah. so, but if we can spread that and kind of, you know, get rid of that stigma. And, um, I think we got some, some things playing. We're going to, um, maybe I'm going to work with my designer, um, that does my t-shirts and stuff and maybe do, uh, like a charity shirt, almost like a Maltese cross with some deer coming out of it or whatever we come up with. But, um, all that money will go to like our benevolence fund and, yeah. you know, our benevolence fund, if, if guys don't know what that is, it's, uh, it's just a, it's kind of like a, a part of our union. Well, it's technically not part of the union, but it's uh, in that same realm, but they go out and raise money. And like, actually the benevolence fund just paid for those two guys funerals. Um, you know, it, and my thing is like, let's say uh, you get hurt real bad and work comp is only covering so much and maybe they're having financial issues. Benevolence fund can step in and help them, you know, if they need that. And maybe that guy is in a dark place at the time. Right. And now he's looking at this and the financial issues and now, Hey, there's no way out. You know, yeah. so I can't go out and, you know, call everybody and be like, hey, how you doing, man? Because a lot of these guys, they're they're not going to tell you. They might may not. But this is a, a little tiny part that maybe I can do something. You know, what can For you sure. do? <laughs> so, you know, it's been kind of a 
a dark kind of time in our department for sure. And it's made me, like I said, kind of reflect And I already kind of knew that, but um, just realizing like how much the outdoors and just, I guess being a redneck has helped me. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, the, the outdoors definitely has that like calming and healing and nothing else matters while you're out there and you can yeah. kind of recenter. And there's a lot of people. I talk to a lot of guys in the military community <clears throat> who use outdoor mentorship as uh, a coping mechanism for D- PTSD. And mm-hmm. it just seems like the outdoors, I mean, it's becoming more and more therapy for people. And I think that's awesome. Um, sure. Where can, where can people go to find your stuff? Where can they go follow along? Where could they go check out the t-shirts? All uh, that? Yeah. So um, just find your search us on uh Instagram country traditions outdoors and same with our YouTube country traditions outdoors and the websites. Uh, it should be live now actually. So it's just, we've got so much going on all at once. Uh, and Taylor is definitely my, uh, my tech person. So, um, and it's just kind of, like I said, it just came about kind of last minute and we decided let's go ahead and do this. Let's, um, like make it a community, you know? Um, and then if you, you know, like I said, if you watch us and I feel like if we can connect that, like I said, and we can use the t-shirts to experience, people can express what they're all about. Um, I know a lot of YouTubers have like swag, right. But like, I don't know. I did. I can't like some of these guys, it's just their name. Like, it's weird. Like, I don't want to buy some dudes just shirt with his name on it. Like, that's <laughs> you. like this is actually like a lifestyle. So you're not just buying a shirt. Like, Oh, this is because this dude's cool or whatever. Like, Hey, this is what I like to do. So like, yeah, you know, if you're like me and you you enjoy the outdoors and you see what we're doing and that's you, then go check our stuff out. You know, if not, whatever, man, just take someone hunting or fishing. For real. Well, man, thanks, dude. Thanks for hopping on. Uh, it was definitely a ton of fun chatting and, uh, I'll, I'll be following along. I'll be watching and I I appreciate it. I got to go check out some more of your, your builds because i uh yeah. i like tinkering i like projects and yeah. maybe i'll have to just dig a big mud pit because i've got gosh it's muddy know, there. 10 tons of dirt here right now okay. that i need to do something with well listen when it's super cold over there if you want to make a trip down here i'll take you out and show you what it's all about <laughs> that sounds awesome we'll be down there it won't be cold here but uh, i think we're going to be down in florida all of june this this summer okay so. okay We'll try yeah, to make something hey, happen. It's good fishing time too. You know, we're, that's when we're starting to get ready for our lobster season. And that's a whole nother thing we do. So, you know, you can just have me on and we'll talk about all about that. That's a whole nother realm. Hey, that's <laughs> how, yeah. what we'll do is we'll just get out and do some fishing, some mudding, and then we'll do a podcast live. There you go. Hey, that's, that's really cool. And I, and uh, full disclosure, this is the first podcast I've ever done. <laughs> oh, sweet. Well, dude, you crushed it. So uh, <laughs> you'll have to look into doing some more. It was fun, man. Well, hey, if I just sit around BS and I'm good at that. So, you know, talking about what I love to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, I appreciate it, man. Uh, good luck yes, this sir. year and uh, have fun at the the big mud fest. Oh, it'll be fun. Yeah. Well, stay tuned. We'll have some good videos. We'll probably catch some people doing dumb things. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And that is going to wrap it up for today's show, man. What an awesome episode. I laughed pretty hard throughout that whole thing. And I really do look forward to getting down there. I think it would be so much fun. I just like things with motors. Honestly, I didn't grow up like a gear junkie. I didn't rebuild things. I tinkered with stuff. I like to create. uh, Like I would make my own bows out of PVC and wood. I even made a sweet crossbow that actually had a working trigger. But as far as mechanical stuff, I never really mess around with it. But the older I get, the more... I just want to get into it and build sweet things and like soup things up to just go fast 
to rock climb, to do whatever. I don't know if it's on the water, on the ground, on rocks, on a mountain. It all seems pretty fun to me. So um, I'd love to get down there and hunt and fish and go mudding with Jimmy. And like I said, if we do, we're going to do a live podcast episode. For now, though, I think I'm going to head out to the property. I've got some work to do. I may go walk the woods one more time for shed, see if anything's fresh. Although I haven't had anything since we moved there, I have not had any antler deer on camera, just ones that have already dropped. So it's not looking great, but there's got to be one hiding somewhere, and it's only going to be a matter of time before I find it. So until next time, guys, always choose adventure, and God bless. <laughs>